Hey, welcome once again to the Second Corinthians panel podcast extravaganza jubilee version. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, it's so great to have you here today. I'm uh, Steve Durr. I'm here with Steve Morning the Lions Losing Thompson. Oh, my word. And Brad Zimmerman. Thank you for joining us today. We're, we like to talk about a couple things on this panel. One is recognizing that Second Corinthians is a book written, you know, close to 2000 years ago. And therefore, it's in a different culture, to a different place, to a different people. So we recognize that this passage, these letters that we read, are not necessarily written to us in that there's a lot of cultural things in there to explore, but they're certainly for us. God's word is powerful. It's God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. I just brought that right back from the past. Well done. That's an old memory verse Good right and there. faithful. So, but all that to say is it is for us. How is God speaking to us now through what he shared with them then? So we're going to look at some things that are a little cultural, and then we're going to look at how did this impact us. So first, let's start off with 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul gives, when he's writing this letter to his friends here, or people he'd like to be friends with again, a, a bit of a an image for them to understand what it looks like for him to be an apostle. He and his team, they're not the people who are up front and po- looking powerful and looking like they got it all together. They're, they look more like they are uh, captives in a Roman triumph. And uh, a Roman triumph, Thompson, why don't you tell us what that is? I just wow, threw off that the top at you. of my head. I know, I know what it is, but I want to see if you do. Yeah, tell me where I'm wrong. So, <laughs> when military leaders, and this was already, I think Denny mentioned it uh, earlier this week, but when military leaders would go off to battle, if they won, they came back with a triumphal procession of those whom they had conquered. But interestingly enough, to go along with that, the the trumpets would sound, the bells would ring, the whatever system of sound system they had within that city to inform the city that the returning king or conquering leader is returning would go off and everybody would leave the city would empty the town and they would have a parade welcoming back that conquering hero but then the parade was ironically unlike a float uh or you know <laughs> some great advertisement for jp morgan chase it was uh the captives the those who then would become part of that city's probably part of their um there's their servant or slave uh, labor. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so that was the, but, and so Paul there equating themselves in that procession, look, we're not the conquering heroes. We're the ones being led in tow um, as the conquered. Yeah. So you're saying it's a really depressing version of <laughs> Aladdin uh, live action remake when Will Smith comes into the city with I Aladdin. Didn't see it. Aladdin. You didn't see it. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, he comes in with this crazy huge processional and the whole city's out watching. But it's just really depressing because it's full of people who are now slaves. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're captive. So Paul's like, and what's cool about Triumph though too is they would bring in like exotic animals from that land, mm, yeah. the gods or goddesses of Still those people. Still lining up for me. Yeah. And if you go to, I, I was a couple of years ago able to go to Italy, and in Rome, one Titus's arch shows 
uh, a depiction of the people of Rome taking out the menorah from the temple and bringing it to Rome. Wow. The great menorah in the temple. Yeah. Right. So it you was a way. You put your trust in this. Yes. Well, look who's got it now. Yeah. So like Rome conquers all, all gods, all people, you know, all the power and resources of the land. And now we're in charge. And what's interesting is Paul does say, you know, we're captives. We're captives of Christ and he's leading us. And it's not about us being out front looking super impressive. It's about us following the way of Jesus. And that leaves off an aroma he talks about. So let me ask you guys, your favorite aroma. Chocolate chip cookies. I mean, oh, fresh out of fresh. the oven. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty hard one to beat. Mm, that's why they recommend it in houses that you're about to sell. Yeah. Fresh really? ba- baked bread. Yeah. For me, I like cologne. Are you guys cologne people at all? No. I used to be. Yeah. When I was, when, when you were was, trying to attract a woman, yes, and in a in a different culture, sure, uh, yeah, it was just that was where it was at. Was yeah. the smells, the fragrance, a good musk, mm-hmm. a good yes, yellow brute. Plus, I used blue. to unbutton my shirt down halfway, and I wore okay. a chain. So there was. I that. just want to apologize to everyone who's starting <laughs> to picture that. <laughs> Feel so, free. But all that to say, the aroma visual. aromas can draw you in or repel you. And Denny talked about that just. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance. So our very lives, the words we say, what we do, communicate and give off an odor, (laughs) an aroma. That's a nicer way to say it. And are people drawn to Jesus from that or are they repelled? Now, obviously, when you're sharing Christ, the aroma might not be appreciated with someone. They don't, they're not interested. Fair. But I do think that along with then the next chapter talks about, as Jeff shared this week, our lives are a letter that are read by people. Mm. And it just reminded me of this idea, the power that our lives communicate Jesus. They communicate something, I should say. Is it Jesus? Is it our own will, our own desire to power up, whatever? Or are we sharing the life of Jesus in a way that people are drawn to him? Whether they accept him or not is through the Spirit and, and for them. But our lives communicating Christ as we're being read or as we're giving off an aroma or we're giving off the aroma of Christ. So Brad, that made me think of something you brought up during our staff meeting, something that you've been just yourself wondering about as a follower of Jesus, what kind of aroma are we giving off? What, how are we being read by the culture around us? And you talked about social media. How did that come up and, and what are you trying to sort through with that right now? I think for me, I have, and all of us have experienced this, of seeing uh, social media with a two-word definition, which is dumpster fire, right? <laughs> and so, like, if it, for most people, when they think about social media, they yeah. think of all of the crazy that goes on, whether mm-hmm. it's wild stuff that you didn't want to know about or see that just feels like what is going on in this planet – Or you're hearing things said out loud from people that you know that you never have heard them say in person, um, and you feel like you're meeting a new version of that person online than the person that you know from in person. Kind of wishing they hadn't said that out loud. Yeah. It's like out of the heart, the social media post speaks. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. And there's a lot of people who uh, are keyboard warriors where they uh, find it much easier to express themselves through typing than they do in person. Mm -hmm. And it's totally valid. That's why we have writers. Uh, However, social media, as we all know, is very divisive. And, And for me, me, I've never had social media really ever change my mind on a subject that I've already thought about. 
Maybe if there's something new, I could get informed about something new that I don't know. But if I've already educated myself in something or I've spent time thinking about something, social media has rarely even tipped the needle in a new direction, let alone led me to believe something different. And I firmly believe that my digital life, so my life spent on social media, is the same as my physical life. And that's all a spiritual life. Those all go together. And so what I'm trying to sort out is what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus to be a follower of Jesus on social media Mm. and not just be a follower of Jesus in person when we see somebody who it's really easy to be a follower of Jesus to. And to Uh, tie it into the motif, are we being a good smell or a negative smell or a neutral smell maybe? Yeah, exactly. And And I would say that... Unfortunately, my experience on social media is most of the followers of Jesus that I hear talking about Jesus the most don't smell very good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want it to be that way. I don't want to like pick at that. And so I'm trying to figure out what does it look like to be a good smelling follower of Jesus on social media? And And I don't have a clear answer. Uh, right now, but I think one of the big baseline things is like, how do we go about communicating on social media and what posture do we take yeah. uh, just to even start in a conversation? Um, because social media brings us to a lot more people than we ever talk to in real life. We have more friends on social media than we do in real in real life. But if we see that all as life, how do we communicate to all of them and have the posture that Jesus uh, displayed for us in Mm -hmm. scripture. And I think I see that missing more often than not. You could even almost agree with someone what they're saying in a core issue or whatever. I mean, whatever the issue is, but sometimes it's even just the way Mm -hmm. that, like you said, the tone, maybe it is what's being shared, but with a particular attitude behind it or whatever. So it's not just what's being written. It's also the way in which it's communicated. I, yeah. What I really loved about what you said is, you know, your your social media life and online life and your day to day life is your whole life, and it's all spiritual. It all it all has to come under the rule and reign of Jesus. You you are in the the captive procession, hmm. uh, being marching down the road rather than leading the way, telling Jesus what to do. He's your king. How do you follow him in that? That's yeah, and good. You, and you can't compartmentalize it. Yeah. How about you, Tom? What what can it hit you this week? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to um, addressing the fallen brother who needed to be pulled back into community. It was time for forgiveness. It was a time to try and restore relationship, which, again, as we keep pointing out, is ironically what Paul is trying to do with himself with the Corinthians, that he cares for very deeply. But how that happens, and Ed and Linda mentioned this, is within community. But where it's to the Corinthians is where I'm trying to visualize like these scattered house churches where they pass this letter where Paul knew the leaders and probably a lot of the individuals, but maybe not all of them, but they were in these kind of smaller communities where they were practicing what it looked like to be an extended family and trying to work that out. And so it's on a very personal level. And so what they were doing on a very personal level, knowing each other well in an honor-shame culture and importing that into an American culture where we don't know each other all that well because we have large gatherings as our primary connection point with each other on Sunday mornings. And 
we don't have an honor shame culture. I, I'll avoid uh, summarizing what kind of culture we do have, but like more consumeristic, but then relationships can be more transactional in that kind of a culture. And we don't really, especially in social media, but even in person have the level the depth of relationship with one another to be able to sustain both truth telling and walking alongside each other in true accountability, loving accountability, where it's profitable for both, where we can speak into each other's lives that way. And so the form in which we do church, quote unquote, uh, doesn't lend itself to that kind of depth of community. And so I guess I don't have an answer for this, but I, I feel this invitation to purposefully step into community where that is true with not everybody. You can't do that with everybody. It's not sustainable, but who are the people that the Lord has surrounded me with that maybe there's natural affluence with or crossing uh, paths in life with that I do have that depth or can I explore greater depth with them so that I can go there and I can reap the benefits of people speaking into my life that way. Yeah, I've got a lot to say about that, but that's kind of where um, I feel like the Holy Spirit's getting my attention and I'm I'm wondering what that looks like for me and for my family and that stuff that Jess and I have to talk about as a couple, because it's not just me going off and doing stuff, we're together. So yeah, there's a lot of questions for myself and how am I living that kind of community? And that's a challenge. Yeah, that's really good. It's interesting when you say that, because I think it points out uh, in some ways how ridiculous it is of the things that we actually have said out loud on social media because uh, we don't have that depth of relationship with people in person. So there's probably things that like me and my wife or me and like family members or people that I've known for a really long time that we don't really talk about that subject. But there are people who, uh, and I'm sure I've fallen in this into this as well that like have talked about those issues publicly or yelled at people about them or combatively talked to somebody about that online. And it's like, you don't even have that level of relationship with your family member, somebody you've known your whole life down that conversation. Why do you think you should be having that conversation online with people you barely know? Right. And so like, what does it look like to develop that kind of relationship where it's we understand each other's hearts and intent that we can have conversations about hard things that we might not agree on and still be able to be loving brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. after it. Yep. That's why I think it's so important to be able to, like Tom said in that relationship, to really feel attached to that community or those people where you can share difficult things and receive difficult things because you know they're committed to you, you're committed to them, and there's that sense of love. And when that happens as a community, you can say, hey, here's who we are, here's what we value, here's what we're about, and you can um, really be transformed in the midst of all those conversations and truth-telling. And if I could say, like, that's a choice we make. It's not a feeling we get or a something that just happens without intentionality, it is in fact a choice we make. And it's uh, to throw out a word, if, if you're familiar with it, it's covenantal in yeah. nature. Uh, I won't go into that, but yeah, it's a choice we make. That's good. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We talked about a lot of different stuff. I'm curious for you, how is God getting your attention? How is he speaking to you? And uh, what will be your next step as a result? Let's pray. God, thanks for this time together. We pray that you would speak through our lives and that you would transform our hearts so that out of our hearts, 
our mouths, our uh, posts on social media would speak, that we would reveal you increasingly to each other? Would you bring people into our lives that we can live life alongside in such a way that we're being transformed more and more into your image as we share life together? So God, thank you for this faith family. Uh, Thank you for all who are listening today. Would you help us to live and respond more like you? Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.